Growth Igniters Radio, episode 67. Steal the show, succeeding in high-stakes situations. This episode is brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated, enabling successful leaders and companies to accelerate to their next level of success on the web at businessadvance.com. And now, here's Pam and Scott. Thanks, Chris. I'm Pam Harper, founding partner and CEO of Business Advancement Incorporated. And right across from me is my business partner and husband, Scott Harper. Hi, Scott. Hi, Pam. As always, it's wonderful to join you for another episode of Growth Igniters Radio. And as you know, our purpose is to spark new insights, inspiration, and immediately useful ideas for visionary leaders like you and your company to accelerate to your next level of success. So, Pam, What's our focus for today? Succeeding in the high stakes situation. High so stakes. let's think about how many of these a typical leader would face. Oh, gosh. Every day is a high stakes situation. You have presentations for boards, employees, investors, media. You have deals, interviews, and negotiations. More, and more. Oh, yeah. And at the heart of all of this is our ability to perform, not just to speak, so that we really connect with others. Yeah. Now, our regular listeners will recall that in episode 58, which which is our most recent book pairing episode, Mm -hmm. we highly recommend a book called Steal the Show by Michael Port. And we're delighted to have Michael joining us today. Now, in all transparency, I was actually at Michael's Heroic Public Speaking Live conference back in February, and it was so impactful for me. So I'm, I'm so excited to have him here. Just a bit about Michael's background. He's written six books, including Book Yourself Solid and Steal the Show, which, according to the former president of Starbucks, might be the most unique and practical book ever written on the topic of public speaking. His books have been on the bestseller lists of the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, USA Today, and Publishers Weekly, and have been selected by Amazon and 800 CEO Read as best books of the year. Yeah. He was also once a professional actor, having received his MFA from New York University's graduate acting program, guest starring on shows like Sex and the City and Law and Order, and in films like The Pelican Brief and Down to Earth. These days, Michael can be seen on MSNBC, CNBC, and PBS as an on-air expert in communication and business development. He's also the host of the most popular podcast on public speaking and performance, called Steal the Show with Michael Port. Michael, welcome to Growth Igniters Radio. Thank you so much. We're so glad that you're here and you're going to tell us a little bit about how you got to this level of success, because it's really a fascinating story. Well, I have no idea. When I hear hear that bio, I really don't believe it. I was a solid B-minus student who was going to be an actor. That's what I thought I was going to do. Mm-hmm. And when I got out into the world, I had a modicum of success, a little bit. And I was working and I was paying the bills, but I was way too immature to wait. I wanted what I wanted when I wanted it. And I wanted it fast. And that's not necessarily how that business works. And the amount of rejection was just extraordinary. And I just don't think at the time I could handle it. So. I left and I went into business. I talked my way into a job for which I was completely unqualified. I told them I was unqualified, but I made my case for why they should give me a shot, and they did. I moved up very quickly, 
in large part because I had no idea how they did things. So mm -hmm. I just came up with ways uh, uh, for doing things that happened to work quite well, things that they didn't see because they'd been immersed in that environment for so long. And then uh, after about five, six years, I thought, maybe I'll go out and consult in this industry. And I did. And of course, if you want to be a consultant and have some success, you uh, are meant to write books. So right. I thought, let me see if I can write books. I didn't like writing even a five paragraph essay when I was in school. So I, I didn't have a lot of faith at that time. But once I stopped writing the way they taught us to write in school and started writing the way that I speak, everything changed because communication is a natural strength for me. Mm -hmm. And it's been a roller coaster ride ever since. Wow. So how did all of that lead to Steal the Show? So for... 13 years, I was focused on writing about marketing and business development because that was the experience that I had uh, after I left acting. Mm -hmm. But when I look back, so much of what I've been able to accomplish over the years has been a direct result of my training as an actor at the grad program at NYU because life in large part is based on how well you perform during life's high stakes situations. Mm -hmm. And if you fall flat during those situations, then not a lot happens. But if you can shine when the spotlight's on you, well, then I think you can do big things. And so much of what the actor knows about performance can apply to any individual. And one of the first principles of learning how to perform during those high stakes situations is learning how you play the right role in those situations, the role that is called for at that particular moment, because we can play many different roles authentically. Mm -hmm. So we want to figure out how do we emphasize the parts of our personality and de-emphasize the other parts of our personality that are not as effective. So we emphasize the parts that are effective in that given situation and de-emphasize the parts that are not depending mm. on what the situation calls for, either in professional or personal circumstances. So for example, I'm sick right now. I was really sick yesterday. The last thing I want to do is work today. The, you know, getting onto a podcast eh, is not like the first thing I thought about, oh, I want to get up and be on Aww. podcasting. So, but <laughs> no, but I'm, I'm telling you this because yes. if I was true to self and, mm -hmm. and demonstrated how I actually felt, I mm -hmm. might be like, yeah, what's up? Uh, yeah. We'll okay, send you uh -huh. some chicken soup. Yeah. Right. Yeah, no, I'm really sick right now. I'm, I'll uh, be here, you know, but whatever. I'll, you know, I'll be. That's not what the situation is called for. Yeah. So is am I being inauthentic by bringing my best self to this? No. Am I playing the role that I need to play in this situation to be in service of the hosts of the show and the guests of the show? Absolutely. Uh -huh. So we act all the time, but we... We use authenticity to say, well, no, I'm just going to tell you how I really feel, not caring uh -huh. about your feelings because I am telling you my truth. <laughs> <laughs> well, it goes to the show must go on. And yes, we, we can does. relate to that because actually Scott and I met performing comic opera many years ago now. Comic opera? Comic yeah. opera. That is brilliant. <laughs> and so we understand about the show going on and we it really uh, resonates with us. 
taking it into this kind of a situation, though, the business situation is a very unique, very cool model. And in fact, one of the things that I found interesting in the book is you actually say acting is not a metaphor, but rather a model that you can apply to both life and work. So tell us a little bit about that. Sure. And I know this idea may seem contradictory, but if you stay rigidly fixed on what you see as your true self, then you might not realize that you can adopt these different styles of behavior Mm -hmm. and still be authentic. And in fact, I think there are more and more professionals bringing this idea into business. I don't think I'm the only one. I've been talking about it for a long time, but a friend of mine named Mark Bowen, who's a body language expert, has been talking about this. Uh, there is uh, There was a big article in the Harvard Business Review in 2015 about this concept specifically, mm-hmm. um, You know about how if we want to move into leadership positions, we're going to need to adopt different styles of behavior Mm -hmm. to fit these different roles. And if we're too rigid, if we have a rigid concept of ourself, that becomes, I think, an anchor that keeps us stuck, keeps us fixed to where we are. So, you know, let's just take a personal situation because it's an easy example. If you are meeting your future in-laws for the first time, (laughs) you're on your best behavior. Yes. And... What the actor does to create a character is choose goals for that character, objectives. You know, they look at a script and they say, well, what's this character trying to achieve? Mm, Okay, so they want to be loved. Great. So that's the objective this character has in that particular scene with that other character. So then the actor decides what they're going to do to achieve that objective. Well, what tactics will I use? What will be my strategy? Mm -hmm. And in a play or a film or a TV show, hopefully the writing is really good and it gives that actor a lot of material to use, obstacles to overcome, to fight through, lots of different tactics to try. And in our life, we write the script. We write the story that is our future. So we can write the story to be very bland and uninteresting if we don't take chances, if we don't raise the stakes, if we don't go after our objectives with abandon. So we try lots of different tactics. So if you're going to meet your future in-laws for the first time, well, your objective may be, I really want them to approve of me. Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong with that. No. I don't think we should you know, spend our life trying to go for approval. I think we should focus on results, but that does make sense to me. I met well, The first time I met my in-laws, uh, I wanted them to approve of me. So what am I going to do? I'm going to think about, well, what kind of, like my, my father-in-law is a wine uh, fanatic. So I'm ah. thinking, well, what, would, what kind of wine would really impress him? What would he love? Well, that's acting. That's a choice. Anytime you make a choice in order to, affect somebody else and achieve an objective for yourself as a result you are an actor because that's Uh what actors do yes i I would definitely agree with that and it's really interesting that you're talking about this and performance because actually those who know us know that uh one of the things that i refer to myself as is a business performance expert a strategic growth expert but business performance and performance is what it's all about, what's happening. So we're going to take a quick break right now. And when we come back, we'll speak more with Michael Port, author of Steal the Show, 
about using the model of acting to perform at our best, especially in the high-stakes situations. Stay with us. You are listening to Growth Igniter's Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper, brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated, on the web at businessadvance.com. We enable visionary leaders and their companies to accelerate to their next level of growth and success. And just a reminder, check out our show notes at growthignitersradio.com, episode 67. You can download resources for today's conversation, including Michael Port's bio. You can also share on social media so more people can find us. And you can also sign up for our weekly alert of upcoming episodes so you'll always be up to date. Welcome back to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper, that's me, and Scott Harper. Scott and I are talking today with Michael Port, author of Steal the Show, about using the model of acting to perform at our best, and especially under high-stakes situations. Michael, tell us how we can find your books and your podcasts. You offer so much. Well, thanks. Yeah, so Steal the Show, the podcast, of course, just go to iTunes and Search for Steal the Show with Michael Port, and the book is anywhere books are sold. In fact, I don't know when this episode is coming out, but if it does come out in the month of May, it's yes, it does. Great because the Kindle next week. Oh, good. The Kindle edition of Steal the Show is on a monthly Amazon special for two ninety nine. Ah, right. They do so, that with a few books each month, and uh, they chose mine, so I'm pretty uh, excited. Oh, that about is that. exciting. Yes. So it's a yeah. steal. Yeah, <laughs> it's a steal. Go steal, steal the show. And oh. of course, and of course, for public speaking training, go to heroicpublicspeaking.com. That's excellent. So let's get back to our conversation. We were getting started talking about using the concept of the model of acting to perform at our best. What can leaders learn specifically? Let's let's talk a little more about that. So let's just look at the techniques that an actor learns to control their emotions and their body. So often when you're in a high stakes situation, you get anxious. And when you get anxious, you tend to hold your breath. And when you hold your breath, you tend to pass out. Mm-hmm. Now, <laughs> you may not hold it to such an extent that you pass out, but what you do is you might hold it, which means you're not on your breath. Mm-hmm. And when you're not on your breath, you don't seem powerful. You don't, you don't have a lot of gravitas. If you're, if you're talking like this and you're having trouble getting air, it, you know, it, it sounds like you're a little bit nervous. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then people get uncomfortable when they hear that. So can you control your breathing? Mm-hmm. This and is this a, is really hard. Think about the high stakes situations. You're really, really, say, immersed in a very special negotiation. That's right. Can you control your body and can you choose what you want people to see and to feel based on how you use your body? Mm-hmm. And I, I just have to say again, because it's easy to brush this off and say, oh, that's not authentic. That's manipulative. But aren't we doing this all the time? And can't we do this for good as opposed to evil? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not suggesting someone should be a con man. That's that's not even close to what I'm suggesting here. But what we're doing is we are trying to produce the kind of results we want. Hopefully the kind of results that we want are also the kind of results that other people want. If I'm in a negotiation, I'm trying to figure out, well, how does each person walk away from this table feeling like they got the better end of the deal? Mm-hmm. That That's the ultimate result that I'm trying to produce. So if I'm sitting at that table... 
and I'm, I'm crossing my arms in front of me and I'm all hunched up and tight and fidgety at the same time and, and then crossing my legs and uncrossing my legs and crossing my legs and uncrossing my legs. Well, I'm not going to make anybody else at that table comfortable. Sure. They're, they're also going to feel like, well, this guy doesn't feel very uh, confident about his mm-hmm. offer. And, and instead, what I know I can do and what our students are able to do once they do this work is have complete control over their body, over their breath, and they know how they influence other people the way they use their body. So, for example, one of the things that people often do when they give speeches or presentations is point. Mm-hmm. Do a lot of pointing. Now, this may seem small, but in f- in fact, if you experience it, it is significant. So, instead yeah, Bill of pointing, Clinton was a great pointer. Yeah, he's a great pointer. And he yeah. remember what he did with his finger when he wagged at people? Said, "Yeah, I did not have sexual relations with that." <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. so he was pointing, and he's yeah. you know the pointing and the wagging of the finger you know puts you as this you know person who's telling everybody else what to do, and most people you know, want to feel like they're they're in a conversation with somebody in some way. So instead of pointing, use your open ah. palm with your hand open, extending to them. You, mm-hmm. you point to yourself. Instead of pointing to yourself, use your hand open towards yourself. So you don't seem like you're any kind of threat to them and you're mm-hmm. not uh, chastising them or scolding them. Mm-hmm. And interestingly enough, you know, you can approach this kind of work from the outside in or the inside out. So there are people who who will approach it from a body language perspective uh, uh, primarily, uh-huh. and it can be very effective. You can also approach it from an inside-out perspective, and, and we tend to focus on the inside-out. Mm-hmm. So again, as I said, what's your objective? How are you feeling? Yeah. How, are you, how are you thinking? So can you use the technique that the actor knows of, say, of acting as if? Yeah. You know, this really resonates with me because many years ago, uh, shortly after I moved from the Midwest uh, to the East Coast, uh, New York area, uh, I was in a consumer healthcare company, a big multinational, and uh, I became a a director of a group, and I wasn't always getting the results I wanted. So I actually went to uh, somebody that uh, Pam knew. We didn't know you back then, Yeah, we didn't know you back then. (laughs) And uh, so I I said, you know, this is what's happening. And he looked at me and he said, you know, you kind of sound like you don't expect to be listened to. Hmm. And if you're going from the Midwest and now you're here on the East Coast, you've got to talk faster, you've got to talk louder. And how do you do that without seeming phony? Well, imagine people really want to hear what you have to say. Mm -hmm. And... I, I worked on that for a few weeks, and it really, really made a difference. Mm-hmm. And my group actually became one of the higher performing groups in my division. So, yeah, I, I, I get it. Yeah, you're talking about the technique of acting as if. Right. As and if. Yes. As if. And, you know, you, the, the, the extreme side that people hear is the fake it till you'll make it. I'm not a big <laughs> yeah. fan of that concept because I think it feels negative. When you're, when you're using your imagination to act as if then you can actually step into that reality because your imagination is very powerful and that's what produces your behavior and, of course, the way you see yourself. Mm -hmm. So you're not faking anything. You are imagining yourself playing the role you want to play and then, of course, as a result, what happens? You actually play that role. Right. 
Well, you're in it at that point. Yeah, you're so, in it. Well, I, here's, a, here's a really simple example, just uh, related to what you said. It made, made me think of it when you said that you kind of spoke as if people sh- shouldn't listen to you or you know wouldn't want to listen to you. We had a student in one of our courses who said, he, he wrote in, he said, this, this is the last thing I expected would change or would happen to me as a result of doing this training. And he was specifically referring to voice and speech work. He said, when I, he said, in, in, in seven years of going to Starbucks, they have never once written my name down correctly or pronounced my name correctly. Not once. However, <laughs> after I did the voice training and the speech training, they now get it right every single time. Wow. So it's a different way of being perceived. I mean, you're influencing people, but you're being authentic in that sense. You're bringing out your best self. Yes. But here's a question. Um, how, do you, how do you know when you found your strongest voice for any given situation? You talk a lot about it. I mean, I remember when I was at Heroic Public Speaking Live, and we were talking about voice. Mm-hmm. How do you know you're you're in a negotiation, you want to make sure that it comes across the right way at the right time, or say you're giving a presentation for employees or the board or, or whoever it is, you want to know that in this situation, you have your strongest voice. And it changes a bit, doesn't it, from time to time because of uh, what maybe we're trying to project? Mm-hmm. So there's the figurative voice and the literal voice. Yeah. So the figurative voice is your ability to express yourself fully and feel good about yourself. That's your figurative voice. And the literal voice is how you sound. And you're going to use your literal voice differently in different situations. Mm -hmm. So the way that Treb, the fellow whose name was is now pronounced properly at Starbucks, is not going to say his name the same way that he now does at Starbucks as he does when he meets a a child. Mm-hmm. He's going to say his name differently. He's not going to say Treb when he meets a little child. He's going to say, my name is Treb. You're going to use your voice differently because you're talking to someone differently. So pacing, timing, rhythm. And this is where the internal work comes. This is not just on the outside. So if you're in this negotiation and you know that it's a tense moment and the people on the other side of the table are a little frustrated and they're not really on your team yet, not moving your way, you're probably not going to want to use a big booming voice that keeps pushing on them your, right. your sound engineer is going to kill me now because I just <laughs> but it keeps you know keeps pushing on them and beating them and say listen guys here's what we need to do you know you're not going to speak like that you're going to change the way you speak you're going to speak a little more softly but you're not going to whisper you're mm-hmm. on your voice still and you're going to use softer tones and, and yet when you're interviewing somebody say you're interviewing an employee and you want to a prospective employee I should say mm-hmm. and you want to make sure that you create an an environment for this top talent to join your company you want to come across a slightly different way you might say their voice differently you may you know in each situation is going to be different and just think about the way that you talk to your lover in bed is probably different than the way you talk to your Let's say if you're a guy, your buddies from high school. Oh, yeah. And once again, that is role playing. 
So That's we play true. we play different roles all the time. You play look when I'm with you know some of my friends down at the docks, and you know their uh, their language is a little cruder, and you know they may be a little coarse in the way that they they talk. My language is going to change. Now I'm not going to pretend. I'm not going to like put on an accent. You'd be like, "Yo, what's up?" Dude? You know, guys, <laughs> like I'm not going to talk like this as if that's really me. But my language will get a little more staccato, a little more, a little harsh, a little right. you know, a little a little stronger. Uh, also because I know that if my language is not like that, then they're going to start needling me. Uh huh. People will treat you the way they want to treat you based on how they see you. But if yes. you are projecting a different image, then the way they treat you will change. Mm -hmm. So being mindful of all of these things that we've been talking about really comes into play uh, as a very important part of anything we're doing on a high stakes basis. You know, it's interesting. It's interesting. Actors, the, you know, people joke about actors not being smart because a lot of them are pretty. And I always found that really funny because the greatest actors in the world are some of the most intelligent people you will ever meet. Yeah. And they are self-aware. So if you think about Meryl Streep or you think about Tom Hanks, if you ever listen to them in interviews mm -hmm. or you think about Dame Judi Dench, you think about if you ever heard them in interviews, they are fascinating and they are so self-aware. The more self-aware you are, the more comfortable you are in many different situations. And of course, in those high stakes situations. Absolutely. Well, we're going to talk more about how we can immediately become more self-aware. We're going to take a quick break though. And when we come back, we'll talk more with Michael Port, author of Steal the Show. Stay with us. You're listening to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. Brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated on the web at businessadvance.com. We want to thank those of you who have reviewed and rated our podcast series on iTunes so that more people can find us. However, others have told us that they're not quite sure how to do it. It's not entirely straightforward. That's why I've created a short video which removes the mystery from the process in just three easy steps. First, go to growthignitersradio.com. Second, Look over at the sidebar at the right and you'll see the headline subscribe to Growth Igniter's Radio. Third, click on the blue button underneath that says how to review Growth Igniter's Radio in iTunes. This takes you to the 84 second video showing you everything you need to know to review and rate our podcast. And thanks again for helping us spread the good word about Growth Igniter's Radio. Welcome back to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. Over the last two segments, Scott and I have been talking with Michael Port, author of Steal the Show, about using the model of acting so we can perform at our best under high-stakes situations. Michael, can you tell us again how people can find you? Sure. HeroicPublicSpeaking.com is where you'll find all of our programs and trainings on public speaking. And stealtheshow.com is a great place to go if you want to listen to the podcast. It is. And, of course, you can also find links by going to growthignitersradio.com 
episode 67 and scroll down and under resources, you'll be able to find links also to get over to Michael's podcasts and other kinds of resources. So let's get back to the part of the program that I find people telling me is especially useful, which are the three immediately useful ideas. Uh, In this case, for taking the risks that are required of a winning performance in high stakes situations. And we know what they are. So let's get started. What would you say is an immediately useful idea, say, for silencing an internal critic? Ah, this is a big one, isn't it? So there's two types of critics. There are external critics and there are internal critics. And the external critics are the people who sit in the cheap seats who want to, you know, pull other people down in order to lift themselves up. And then there's the internal critic, the one that says, I'm not good enough. I don't know enough. I'll never be enough. And when when those internal critics are loud, we hear the external critics even more. Mm-hmm. So what we need to do first is to silence the internal critics, because then we won't care that much about the external critics. We'll just focus on being helpful rather than trying to be good. It is very difficult to be good, but we can always be helpful. And if mm-hmm. we are helpful, we are perceived as good. And it reduces anxiety. It reduces stage fright. It reduces the fears people have around being in the spotlight because you're no longer obsessing on yourself and whether or not you're going to be good or whether or not you're going to look good, but instead you're focusing on helping other people. So Michael, if we're talking about something somebody could do as soon as they're uh, done on the elliptical or they're done on the treadmill or they're walking off the plane, whatever it is, what would be an action they could take right now? Maybe they're going to a high stakes negotiation or an interview. So what they can do right now is every single person they see, try to make them feel better. Simple as that. If I'm in a bad mood, and I'm going to the airport, and that's usually when I'm in a bad mood, uh-huh. <laughs> what I will do is I will try to make every single person in the line waiting to go through the metal detectors and everybody working at the security uh, checkpoint make them feel better about themselves and their day, and immediately, as soon as I pass through, I feel better too. So you have lots of friends on the plane. <laughs> <laughs> I do. And what happens is when you feel better about yourself, you feel more confident. And mm-hmm. confidence is essential during these high-stakes situations. That's great. So what's something else, for example, in preparing more uh, for this high stakes situation? Let's say it's uh, having to do with presenting to the board. Great. So during a high stakes situation, you're going to want to prepare a lot more than you think you need to prepare. Most people think they know their information well enough so they can go in there and wing it. Mm -hmm. And generally they leave going, could have done better. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So preparation is key. If you're going in for a presentation in front of the board there are, and you want to get a yes from them, there are three things they're going to consider. Number one is what you're suggesting going to work. First thing they consider. Does it make sense? Will it be successful? And if they say, "Mm, I don't think so, then they don't listen anymore. Doesn't matter what you say. If they say, yeah, yeah, I think it will be successful, but it's still not enough to get a yes. Because the second question they ask is, huh, well, is it, is it worth my resource? You know, is it worth my time, my money, my connections, whatever it is they Mm -hmm. need to give you in order for the thing to work. And if they say, "Mm, great idea, but not really worth my time you get a no. If they say, yeah, great idea, and it's worth my time, is it still enough to get a yes? No, it's not. The third thing they ask is this, well, is this person who's pitching me this idea, 
are they able to champion it? Can they uh, actually follow through? Because lots of people have great ideas. I get pitched things all the time that are great ideas. But then I say, hmm, not really worth my time. Okay, or ooh, that would be a good one for me. But can the person who's pitching me this actually follow through on this? Don't think so. Then they get a no. Mm, okay. So if there would be one specific thing that they could do, uh, certainly it sounds like having every possible uh, resource available to be able to answer the question about whether you can follow through. Is there a way that they would need to sound differently, perhaps? Well, I think they need to sound like they are not trying to prove themselves. Mm -hmm. See, we do often need to demonstrate our credibility, but that's different than trying to prove ourselves in a way that demonstrates desperation. So quiet confidence in this case. Yeah, maybe quiet confidence. You know, you don't need a, a ton of uh, bravado to get mm -hmm. a yes. You know, you don't need to pretend that you have all of the answers. In fact, one of the things that I would suggest people stay away from is using absolutes. This Absolutely. Is a, <laughs> <laughs> because all generalities are false, including okay. that one. Okay. Think about this. If, if you say, listen, everybody does this, or nobody likes earwax-flavored ice cream, <laughs> I might think, you know, I knew this kid in yes. the Bernie Bots, Fritz. every flavored bean. Yeah. yeah, he used to, you know, he used to pick his ears and eat it. I bet oh. he might like earwax, you know. <laughs> so all of a sudden, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to put a hole in your argument when you right. give me right. an absolute. Right. When you leave room for alternatives, then I, I think two things. One, huh, okay, yeah. There's other possibilities, but let me consider this one. And then the second thing I think is this is a sophisticated person because if you are somebody who can only see the world in one way, mm -hmm. that you know this is the way, then I would be nervous about working with you because I rarely think there's one way to do anything. So you notice how I said rarely? Because you may find right. one way to do something, yeah. Mm -hmm. So this way, I'm leaving room in there and when it comes to the work we do. Yes. Michael, I want to also bring up something. I know we have just a little bit of time left. You talk a lot about blocking and rehearsal, literally our stage presence. And I've been experimenting with that myself in terms of thinking about when you walk into a room, any room, how you're going to choose where you sit and... It's, it's something that we do intuitively, mm -hmm. but you're talking about making it a conscious choice. Can you tell me a little more? Tell us a little more about that, just well, uh, quickly. Yeah, let's use a really simple real-life example that most everybody, most everybody, have uh, experienced. When you go into a room to listen to a lecture, there are seats, and you can choose to sit in the back, or you can choose to sit in the front, or somewhere in the middle. Right. You can choose to sit on an aisle. You can choose to sit by yourself. You can choose to go sit by somebody else. Well, your choice tells me a lot about you. Uh -huh. Your choice tells me a lot about you. If you're the one sitting in the back seat, uh, not making a full commitment tells me a lot about you. If you're the person who comes down right to the front, big smile on your face, makes a big commitment, you're going to get a lot more out of that situation. So, mm -hmm. so that's an everyday situation. Not only are you telling something, some telling the world something about yourself, you are also having a different experience based on just where you sit. 
True. So if you are actually, uh, say, interviewing somebody for a top spot in your company Mm -hmm. and you choose to go over to the round table in your office instead of just sitting at your desk, because I've seen people who will just do that. It, it sends a different message. It sure does. It makes a significant difference. Let's say you're on stage. Most people, when they give a presentation, they think about what they're going to say, and that's about it. Mm-hmm. And then they go up on stage, and they've got nervous energy, and they wander around, pace mm-hmm. back and forth. Sure, we've seen that. <laughs> we've seen that. So, you know, I get it because... You haven't done any rehearsal. And why haven't you done any rehearsal? Well, because you've never learned to. It's not something you were taught in school. I know how to rehearse because I was an actor. That's what we did. We have a very specific seven-step process for rehearsal, and it's the same process that actors go through when they do plays and film and TV, etc. And when you are well-prepared, you are, of course, less anxious because you reduce anxiety when you feel like you know what you're doing, mm-hmm. number one. And number two, when you are more prepared, you can actually be more spontaneous because preparation, when it meets improvisation, produces spontaneity. So you may have said the same thing 500 times, but to the audience, it sounds like the first time you're saying it. That's very true. So the time has been flying by here. You have some final thoughts on the topic of stealing the show, especially in the high stakes situations that you can leave us with. I do. I do. I I think, you know, play with these ideas. Mm -hmm. You don't have to know all the answers. You don't have to get all of it right away. Sometimes I tell people, listen, try not to learn anything when I'm teaching this. Because sometimes we feel like if we don't get it right away, there's something wrong with us. Like, well, he can do it, but I can't do it. She can do it, but I can't do it. But let it wash over you. Absorb it. Play with it. That's what the performer does. We are always trying different things because we don't get married to the immediate result. And that's what, in large part, rehearsal is about. You usually suck during rehearsal. That's the point of rehearsal. So you try something, it works, you keep it. You try something, it doesn't, you let it go. Uh-huh. So keeping in mind that it's a process, it's not an event, you're never going to really quite be there. You're always going to keep having to do something different, right? Oh, oh yeah. Th- you're never done. I mean, never some people done. don't like that. Some people just <laughs> want to be perfect and done. Yes. But that is just not generally how it works. Yes, that's, that's definitely true. Well, Michael, thank you again so much for being our guest today on Growth Igniters Radio. Oh, you're welcome. It's my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. Sure, Michael. And thanks to you and thanks to you out there for listening to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. Until next time, this is Pam Harper and Scott Harper wishing you continued success and leaving you with this question to think about and most importantly to act upon. What can I do today to improve my own performance as a leader so I can steal the show in any high stakes situation? Growth Igniters and Growth Igniters Radio are service marks of Business Advancement Incorporated. All Growth Igniters Radio episodes are copyrighted productions of Business Advancement Incorporated, intended for the private use of our audience. Except as otherwise provided by copyright law, all other uses, including copying, editing, redistribution, and publication without prior written consent of Business Advancement Incorporated, are prohibited. 
all rights reserved.